Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode and first live recording of From Scratch. We are in collaboration with the Dublin High Girl Decode Club in our speaker series. Today we will be joined by Michelle Stone. Michelle is passionate about problem solving process, uh, pro the problem solving process, product development, and she's currently in the manufacturing space for over 20 years and is an advocate for STEM and sustainability. She currently works as a product manager at Arena, a PTC business. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, so just to start off quickly, um, would you want me to refer to you as Michelle or Miss Stone? You have oh, Michelle's questions. fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone's comfortable over here. Uh, so you did say you had slides to show us. Go ahead and I definitely show it. Or would you want to do it more in the middle of the podcast? No, no, we'll just do it fine. There, I, I don't have a lot, and I'll make mm -hmm. sure, since I know some of this will just be audio-based, we'll describe the slides. I'm a big of fan course, of course. less is more on slides. So oh, let yeah, me just me share too. my screen, except you have it disabled. So if you could just let oh, me share. Okay. I will. And if you don't know how to do that, we can just talk. It's fine. <laughs> okay, it should work now. So update it. All right, so are you seeing my screen? We mm -hmm. have a Girls Who Code speaker series, perfect. Um, so what I wanted to do, and again, my first podcast, I'm very excited because I actually um, and I recently started listening to podcasts about a year ago. Uh, so it's really an honor for me to actually be invited to speak <laughs> on a spot podcast. Um, so it's our honor. <laughs> I know, so I'm excited. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, kind of go over my journey when I've worked in any of these like women mentoring series something I always enjoy is when the speaker kind of tells their story you know what they've done their background and I'd love it if you guys just think of some questions in the background as I'm talking um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my shopping cart approach to life uh, explain a little more about that and then um ask me anything. So I'd love to, um, yeah, any questions you guys have, I can always fill the time. I have no problem talking, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the skills I found out early that set me apart, that even though I had technical skills and could program, uh, having that ability to, to translate between engineering resources and people in sales and marketing and customers was really important. And that was kind of led me into my current career. Uh, so I think, you know, they said before, I put up my uh, my LinkedIn, my encouragement to anyone. I recently did some mentoring at the Oregon Institute of Technology, and I really encourage, um, you know, all the generation. It might seem like old person social media, but LinkedIn is such a great resource. And I'll tell you, as a, a hiring manager, when I'm looking for interns, and I've done internships for both high school and college, I'll always check and see what you have out there on LinkedIn. So my first bit of uh, non-advice is uh, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, even if you think it's too early, consider starting one. Um, I think it's great. So I always joke that um, I'm passionate about PLM. That's the type of software I work in, process and problem solving. I never got the memo to avoid alliteration. So I have lots <laughs> of P's in my, uh, in my headline there. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, my background, what I've done, and how I ended up where I am. And uh, yeah, so I always like to think of it. So the slide I have now is just called Jungle Gym. Um, and a lot of time when people are talking about careers, they think about like a like a corporate ladder you have to climb. 
And I think some advice I got early was it, it doesn't have to be that way. It's important for sometimes to do some experimentation and figure out what are you passionate about? What do you like? And that's not always a linear path. Sometimes you just hop around to different things. So that's kind of the approach I took. Um, any questions or you want me to just kind of keep talking a little bit about my my background and where I came from? Uh, and... As of now, there aren't any questions related to what you've said okay. so far. Go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. Um, just a reminder, everyone who's in the call, you can DM me questions or you can uh, put it in the form. So anything works. <laughs> yeah, keep Perfect. Going. Cool. So I think for me, I remember being kind of like, you know, middle school, junior high, getting really involved in a lot of, um, you know, science, like after school clubs, I wasn't very athletic. Uh, so you wouldn't see me upside down on the jungle gym. Uh, but I really gravitated towards things like, um, believe it or not, even back in the 80s, we had robotics clubs, you know, computer science was becoming a thing, you know, we had a computer science club. Um, I always loved math and science and kind of gravitated towards that. And we had a um, an after school club that would kind of take us to different um, businesses in the area to just kind of expose us to different careers. And that's when I first started hearing about things like, you know, being a systems analyst. And I remember the person that described it to us was saying, if you like to solve puzzles, it's a good way to look at code and find the problems. And I was thinking, yeah, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Um, and of course, I didn't do that right away. Um, I ended up Becoming an exchange student, I also loved French, so I decided that oh, I was going to become an, oh, it's right at the end. Well, we'll do the, the podcast <laughs> in English, but uh, I ended up becoming an exchange student when I was in high school. It was a great experience, and something I found when I went to school in France was uh, my French wasn't the greatest, but I could do math, <laughs> so I, I struggled in some of the, you know, the history classes where I didn't really understand French, but man, you put me into like you know, a science class or a math class, I could pick it up and uh, and do really well. So I think part of me just always knew I'd have that math brain. And actually, um, I didn't go to college right away. So I know that that's not a, um, always a popular opinion. Uh, I hope that it's changing now. I like to try to be careful when I talk to students that are juniors and seniors and not automatically say, where are you going to college? But what are your plans for after graduation? Because I do think there's a great need for, um, for, for all types of skills. It's not it shouldn't be the assumption that everybody's going to graduate high school and go to college. Um, and I didn't. And for me, it was um, it was a good choice. Um, fun fact, I actually went to art school for a year. Anyone who knows me professionally will probably laugh because I'm one of those people that I don't really care what the user interface looks like. I can use any system. Uh, but I went to school for photography. Um, this is, again, will date me. This is before digital cameras. I really love the chemistry process of uh, being in the dark room and, you know, developing the film and printing the pictures. And through that experience, I realized as much as I love photography, I didn't want to make my life out of it. I really wanted a dog. And I feel, felt like if I was going to have a dog, I needed a house. And if I was going to have a house, I probably needed a career that paid more than photography. Um, not to say if you're interested in photography, don't follow your dreams. But for me, <laughs> it made me realize that I wanted to go back to school. Um, and so I did. I ended up uh, going back to school and I started in computer science. Just because, again, I felt, all right, I'm, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I like these things. Seems like a great career choice. And I started in that. 
And after my first semester, I just really fell in love with math and realized, okay, maybe I want to be a math teacher. So I switched from computer science to math, again, still staying kind of in that STEM area. And after one semester of um, being in a classroom with high schoolers, no offense to you high schoolers, <laughs> I realized that as much as I loved calculus, I didn't want to be telling people to take their hats off and not chewing gum. I just wanted to teach math. So I ended up double majoring in physics um, because I had to take a lot of physics classes with my math degree. And again, I felt that, you know, it was an interesting topic to me. Um, and then I had to take chemistry and just really liked it. So long story short, um, I ended up finishing up um, college with a double major in math and physics. And what do you do with a math degree? Well, chances are you're probably going to um, have to get advanced degree. So I started a PhD program in math. Um, I'm, I'm from the East Coast. So I was out in Boston. So I was going to uh, UMass and Amherst. Um, kind of felt burnt out and said, I'm going to take some time off um, with a math degree. Being an actuary was a big thing. There's a, a branch of, of mathematics for the people who calculate insurance premiums and um, you know, a lot of the, that you know, heavy math. So I started taking the exams and I worked in the insurance industry while I was um, going back to school postgraduate. And then was realizing so much of it was going back to computer science. <laughs> so I said, well, I think I really do need to go back and do computer science. And that's when I started the postgraduate program in client server programming and web development. Um, and again, so those of you that have taken some computer science or know a little bit about programming languages, this will tell you how old I am. When I <laughs> was doing computer science undergraduate, it was in Pascal. Um, I did a little bit of C, but <laughs> again, this is back in the 90s. Um, so my, my, my formal training was in uh, Visual Basic, Power Builder, and JavaScript. And I did some work with Oracle databases and figured, okay, I, I know a little bit about actuarial science. I've worked in financial services. I figured I'd end up there. But instead, I ended up um, interviewing around. Somebody saw I had a physics degree and said, hey, you can probably talk to engineers and help gather requirements and write code for systems. And that's where I've been for, it's almost 25 years that I've worked um, on software that engineers use to, to make their, their products. And I've had lots of different jobs in that area too, but I'll pause and see if there's any questions. If not, I can keep uh, going on. Oh yeah, there there are a couple. So I'll start off with the what uh, someone asked. What recommendations would you have for someone unsure about what career they want to pursue? Yeah, that's um that's a tough one. And um, I think I mentioned before we started recording. I have two freshmen. I have a freshman in high school and a freshman in college, and I really feel like it's hard for for my freshman in college. It's almost like you have to know what you want to do when you start, and I I hate that it's that way sometimes. But I think my recommendation, if you don't know what you want to do, it's do a little bit, um, and maybe I'll move to the next slide. We'll go into my advice um, slide, which is just a, if you're not viewing it, it's just a picture of a shopping cart. And this <laughs> is uh, kind of the approach I take. When, when people give you advice, think about it like a shopping cart. Just take it all in and just put the things in your cart that you care about. I don't like giving advice because I feel like it's a lot of pressure. Um, but I found it was great listening to other people throughout my life, um, advisors and professors, and just picking the things that matter to me. So I would say most colleges that I, I'm aware of, it was, I think, even a little more different when I went to school 
like 30 years ago. Uh, but even now, there are core classes that that you have to take. If you're not sure what you want to do, there's no there's no problem in experimenting. I think I when I was talking about what I did, I think hopefully you know this. I changed my major multiple times. Uh, so when I switched companies about two years ago, they actually had me find my college transcript because my college had changed names from a college to a university and they couldn't verify my education. And I shared this with my son, who was, a, I think, a junior in college at the time, or sorry, junior in high school. And I said, look, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started in computer science. I switched to math education. I switched to physics. You know, I wasn't sure. And I guess to some extent, I'm doing what I, I, I did in college, but not really. Um, so my advice and what we've um, lectured, not lectured, what we've said to him is, as, as a freshman, try some different things, see what you like to do. Um, so just to go back, I feel like it's okay to not know what you want to do for the rest of your life. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So, so try different things. That'll, that would be what I would say. That's, that's a wonderful advice. Yeah. Um, our well, every, anyone I think we've asked so far has also said the same thing. Just try yeah. everything you can. <laughs> um, so I uh, another question was mainly that you described that your ability to communicate was really essential in your success. What other soft skills you believe are important in the STEM workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's interesting. I always call them soft skills. And recently, um, so I'll go back a little bit before I joined my current company, I was at another software company. And one thing, and one of the reasons why I was really honored that somebody asked me to come speak um, to the team is I, you know, I started a, a women in leadership group at, at my old, my last company simply because, um, man, I feel like it's, it, it's kind of sad that we're still having some of these issues and, um, it was important to me and now I completely uh, forgot the quote. Oh, so soft skills. So what they started telling us is they're not soft skills, they're power skills. So the ability to have empathy, the ability uh, to be able to talk to many different types of people, you know, those are, they're not just soft skills, they're power skills. Cause I feel like soft almost kneecaps it and makes it seem like they're not important. Um, so one, 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 you know, shift in mindset I've been trying to think of and, and it, you know, encouraging other people to don't make it seem that just because you're empathetic or you're, um, you're good at communicating that that's soft, that's a power skill. And a lot of people want those. So I think communication is one. Um, again, you know, that the sympathy, empathy, uh, I also think it's important to you know, try to connect with people. I think a lot of times, especially in, at, at work, you know, or even at school, you're just stressed out about what your projects or what you're working on. Sometimes just a simple, hey, how's it going can really help, um, you know, help with communication and just help, you know, kind of with that relationship building. That's really important as well. Well, that's amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, as of right now, I believe, that is the sort of questions that are relevant to what you've been talking about. So um, we can, I think we can move on to some of the questions I've prepared. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just to start off, I was wondering, like, what is like project management? Okay. So, so that's a really good question. So the, the, as you guys go in and you start seeing job, uh, requisitions or internship opportunities, you'll see things that are PM. And in my mind, there's 
three different branches in um, information technology that are PMs. You have a project manager, a program manager, and a product manager. Ooh, and they're I all very different. You did, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I meant to ask, what is product manager? Because you're in, you're in product management. Right. But I've also been a, a program manager, and I've also, uh, and project management is something that I think is important in just so many things, especially um, for anybody that's pursuing a, you know, development career. Mm -hmm. um, just the basic being able to manage a, a project. And you guys are all doing project management right now, right? Because you're studying for finals and you're carving out time for this and you're doing whatever else you're doing, you're managing a lot of things. Um, and so product management is really, um, the way I describe it is we sit within the engineering team. So we work with the um, with the developer. So all of you guys use software, right? So, I, you know, we can talk more into detail about, you know, software development and what, what that all that entails. But part of it is usually a product manager who's doing research or they're talking to customers and they're saying, um, I don't know, let me think, Spotify. I'll just pick on Spotify since we talked about that before. Let's say I was a product manager for Spotify. Something I would do is I would talk to my customers and you know do research with people and say, well, I don't like that I can't search for something with this criteria. Or I would um, go and I'd say, well, what does Apple Podcasts do? What is their, their situation? Like I do what's called opposition research and see, and then I define requirements and I go to my engineering team and I say, we need a new feature in Spotify that does X, Y, Z. Um, and as a product manager, I have to have some, some, some backing as to why we should work on this feature. Um, I'll do some analysis with, if we had this feature, we could get, you know, a thousand more people using our service, or um, we could sell more subscriptions to Spotify. So I make the justification and then the engineering team will, I'll say, I need this new feature to do this and I need it to do that. And then the developers will go and they'll break down those tasks and um, they'll start making it happen. And my role as the product manager is to work then with our, our QA team, our quality assurance. And once they have this new feature in, they have to test it and make sure it works, make sure that we don't break it. Because if you've been using Spotify for two years, I roll out this new feature, it doesn't work anymore. You have angry people. So mm -hmm. uh, the, as a product manager, I work with our testing team. And then, um, you know, the kind of that iteration goes around. And as we get close to being finished, the next thing I have to do is work with our marketing team. And that's where those soft slash power skills of being able to talk to different people come into play because how I engage with an engineering team is very different than how do I talk to a marketing team. So I have to um, talk to the marketing team and say, hey, I'll put together a little video that talks about this new feature. Make sure you, you, you put that in the, in the information that we send out to new customers or um, I might make a little video that talks about it. So things like that. And then again, the software gets released. Um, as a product manager, I'm still involved because there might be a bug that comes in. Some customer will say, oh, all of a sudden, you know, this stopped working and then we have to go and look and fix those things. But I guess that's like a really big overview of what a product manager does is they end up interfacing with uh, a lot of external teams at a company, but customers and sales, marketing, those types of uh, functions. And then they work with the engineering team to, um, to make it come to life. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting and very, it seems like a packed day. Excuse it me. is, <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. 
Yeah, like earlier, I misspoke about asking about project management and product management. So just to clarify, the difference between the two is mainly product management is like you you manage how to, the growth of the product and then project manage, uh, management is more of like planning wise. Yeah, so I think, you know, when I think of a traditional uh, project manager, a lot of times they're working on, on tasks and assigning things to people. So, um, and then there's program management, which is also a, a slightly different nuance in technology that are more involved in, in process and structure around getting multiple projects um, uh, to life. So a product manager usually will work specifically on, on features within um, a software application, whereas a project manager might be doing multiple things like working with marketing, they'll have a project manager that will, you know, keep lists, things like Trello boards or Microsoft Project is a, a famous tool. Um, I think things like Asana and Trello are more common now, uh, but they're more task-based, whereas I think a product manager um, is a little broader, a little more, um, somewhat strategic, but, you know, it's, it's outside of just thinking about tasks, it's thinking about, um, uh, you know, features and, and, and vision of what you want to bring to life, and then translating that into um, requirements that an engineering team can build and deliver. Yeah, I think that clarifies a lot, I'd say. We like all the management is very um, interconnected. Right. Right. So, yeah. 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 And there's a lot of overlap in those. I mean, honestly, if I think about what I do now, um, I joke that I'm, I'm I'm a PM and a PO, and we'll talk about what that's what our, those are. Because any of you that are pursuing some of these careers, you'll see that we love our acronyms. Uh, the slide I have up now is AMA. Ask me anything. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of acronyms um, out in technology. So we talked a little bit about you know the PM, the project manager versus a program manager or product manager. Um, there's also a PO, which is both product operations and a product owner, and those are very different things as well, whereas like a product owner is what I was describing when I'm working with the engineering team for, um, you know, for getting, uh, you know, features developed and tested. Whereas like a product operations are uh, some of the tools that we have to put into place to make all these things work. So that's kind of that process component that I really like. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the uh, Myers-Briggs assessments of oh, yeah. personality types. Uh, and I always say that's one thing I really um, encourage people to find out about themselves. And I've done it for team building as well. I think it, you can definitely learn who likes to do what things. Um, so when you do the Myers-Briggs, I'm very J, which is the judging versus perceiving. Oh, me, and, me too, me too. Yeah, very <laughs> J. I like my sheets. I like my order. <laughs> and it's good when you when you work in a team, and you probably all know this from doing uh, class projects, right? You've all been mm -hmm. in group projects and you have somebody who naturally um, likes to be organized and take notes and and create a schedule and you have other people who will think about wild ideas and we could do this and we could do that and you need someone to rein them in so I think it's important when you do any type of group work um, either in school um, you know or, or or when you're working find out what people's strengths and what they like to do yeah can I ask you what your uh, personality type is? You can. Um, <laughs> I am an ISTJ. 
Oh, I said very I'm close. <laughs> very J, and I'm also very I, which oh, yeah. a lot of people don't realize. But you know, the Myers Briggs goes, you know, up to like 30, and mm -hmm. I'm like a 29 out of 30 for introversion. But oh. I've learned to compensate for that professionally because, like, when our HR person got our results back, we did it as a team building event. They're like, I must have the wrong results because you're so friendly and outgoing. And oh, yeah. just because I'm friendly and outgoing doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm very, very, very um, I and very, very J. I'm kind of in the middle on the 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 S and the T. Yeah, actually mine is, mine is INTJ and I've been told oh. that I'm more extroverted than introverted. But yeah. mine's like a 50-50. So I would say I'm more of an ambivert, but according yeah. to the test. <laughs> yeah, but this, it said it's a good thing. And the other one, let me see if I can grab it here. I haven't I haven't done this one in a while, but another book, and I know I think I have the blur on my camera. Hopefully you can see it. There's another book mm -hmm. called Strength Finders. Oh. Ah, of course, yeah, my camera can, won't pick it up. It somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. Um, but again, it's one of those types of things that I think it's important to kind of figure out how you work and what you like. So going back to that question earlier that someone had about, well, you know, whether you, you don't know what you want to do, I think some of these resources with figuring out uh, what are you good at, what do you like to do, will help you determine, you know, what, what do you want to do? So I like that one as well. Um, I, I personally like Myers-Briggs. I've done them like several times and mine have always been the same. Like when same. I did it 20 years ago versus when I did it a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> it, it's still the same. But I think it's a good way to um, just figure out what you like. And the reason we did it for a team building event was, you know, we had people on the team that just never wanted to do any of the type of planning work. And if mm -hmm. somebody doesn't like to do it and they're not good at it, asking them to do it is, is not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Where someone like me that loves that, you know, then yes, yeah, great. Um, uh, so I guess we'll, well, I'll add one point here to, um, I think, you know, one of the things that's challenging being a female in technology is being typecast into certain roles. And one thing, um, you know, one issue I found, and I, I've always appreciated male allies in the workforce that will help support you. I always found I was, the, you know, being in manufacturing, there's, I was the only woman in the room very often. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I worked, um, I worked at Lockheed Martin for about four years developing software for them. Uh, and as you can imagine, in aerospace and defense, um, very male dominated. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would find in a lot of cases that you'd have a meeting, they would always expect me to be the note taker. And I hated that. And I was very fortunate that in one of my last jobs, one of my managers noticed that. And he talked to me, he said, do you, do you like taking notes? And I'm like, well, part of me, the J part of me really likes you know, having things documented, but no, sometimes I'd like to participate more. And so the next time we had a team meeting, you know, we sat down and they're, it's like, oh, well, Michelle will take notes. And he said, no, Martin, you take notes this time. And it really disrupted and it even came out in one of our meetings that you can't make the assumption that just that, that she has to take the notes all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's one of those things with being a female in technology is not, you know, if you don't like doing something, don't feel like you have to. And when you find allies that, that will stand up for you, thank them so they do it more <laughs> for other people. Because <laughs> I think that that's one thing that I always found challenging was the 
um, the expectation that, you know, I was going to be the one to plan lunch or I was going to be the one to take notes. Um, yeah, actually, unfortunately, that's like similarly like the case in high school now. Yeah. Um, I believe in my current class, I'm in computer integrating manufacturing right now. Um, and in my class, there's like, I believe seven girls and at least like 20, 22, 26 boys, somewhere in that range. So it's very, uh, it, I, I'm still, it's very male dominated, but I, I do see it opening up more compared to my like freshman year engineering class. So I yeah. think that's very nice. Um, do you have any more like insight of like how your journey was as a woman in like STEM? Yeah, definitely. So it's funny, you know, I, I like hearing that you, that you say you're seeing a change because one thing that always bothers me is, so in college one summer, one of my jobs was our bath department got a grant from the National Science Foundation to, um, and I'm probably going to stop sharing the slides. I don't think we need them anymore, <laughs> if that's okay. That's the yeah, last one I had. I feel like this way I can uh, look. Let me find Zoom real quick. We've switched to using Teams, so I forget how to use Zoom oh, sometimes yeah. for my stop sharing. There we go. It moved. Good. Now mm -hmm. I can see your faces and we have more people. So I'll say hi to other people on the on the call and for those of you listening in the future. So back to you know college, I we had a grant with the National Science Foundation and our um, our our charter was to how do you keep girls interested in science and math because they would do some research and between sixth and seventh grade so many um, females would stop pursuing you know some of the 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 you know they get into junior high or or middle school and you know they won't sign up for you know algebra two they would just take the regular algebra they 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 felt that they couldn't do it so we you know, started this program to see, you know, how, how do we encourage more girls to stay in, in some of those, um, in those areas and, and cultivate that. And it's funny, it's like 30 years later, and there's still those issues. I think I mentioned before we started recording, I was recently at the Oregon Institute of Technology, because it's always been important to me to, um, you know, you can't be what you don't see. So as a woman in technology, making sure that I'm involved in the community and, um, you know, encouraging, and that's what I say to all of you as well. It's never too early to do that. Um, you know, when you were you're you know in, in high school, when you're in college, you know, find those opportunities to to show up and mentor. You know, do those hackathons, do those uh, um, like staffing of of um, you know the clubs. You know, in, in in your high school, I know like you know our high schools will do it where we'll have you know the different groups, and that representation matters. Um, so I said, I, for me, it's it's sad that, you know, in 1995, I was encouraging girls to stay in, in STEM. And recently, I did, you know, robotics coaching at a middle school. And when I got there, it was an all boys team. Oh. And I'm like, okay, but I know that there's other people that, you know, like, this is such a fun activity. This was in middle school. So it was the Legos. It was like the first Lego league. And it's like, I know that there's got to be more people at the school. <laughs> so we made a concerted effort to go out and, and that, it started with the, like somebody's sister. And he's like, yeah, my sister would probably like this. I'm like, well, bring her in. And then mm -hmm. talking to her and saying, I'm sure you have friends that would like this, bring them in. And I just wish it wasn't so hard to, um, to do that, but that's why I'll always encourage people. Um, yeah, even if you're introverted and don't like doing it, it's important to have that representation because you know you you can't be what you don't see. So if you don't see people succeeding in technology, 
Um, so my other advice or non-advice or thoughts are there's <laughs> always groups like you have them in high school now, but just know that these same types of groups will exist when you're out in the workforce. I know I'm really involved in the uh, Portland Women in Technology and we do a couple of meetups um, uh, monthly. Uh, and again, you know, different things like you know, on different topics. So participate, even you don't have to lead these types of activities, but show up and become involved because it's a great way to network. Um, I think I mentioned at the beginning, I think it's really important to, I mean, for now it's LinkedIn, who knows in five years, it may be another platform, but whatever platform there is to build that network, it's really important to, to work on building that. And it's never too early to start. And again, I say this as somebody who has bought in high school and uh, college interns. That's the first thing I do is look and see, do you have a LinkedIn profile? What do you put on it? So the projects you're working on now, any of you that are in you know, Girls Who Code, or if you're in any of these other organizations, it's worth putting down. Because it's a, it's a conversation point for me. Like any, I always look, if somebody has done FIRST Robotics, and that's an opening conversation for me for, hey, you know, what did you do? What did you like about it? What was what was on the field that year? And I think it mm -hmm. helps um, going back to those power skills, soft skills, being able to relate to somebody because um, interviewing is very nerve wracking. I don't know how many of you have had interviews yet uh, for any like uh, positions or, or internships, but anything you can do to help, um, you know, help calm them down and make that, that connection. It helps really bring out the, the authentic self of the person and learn more about them. That's really nice. Yeah. For us, actually, I believe our school makes it so that we have a freshman seminar class where we learn life skills in freshman oh, nice. year. And then they ended off with like, I think their final was like being interviewed by like someone in the workforce. So it's oh, like, fun. it's very, it's very, I think our school is trying to prep us for this. I really hope that moving on, it's going to be more um, integrated actually in schools yeah. and everything. Um, so yeah, you, you talked about how like uh, being a woman was in affected your journey. That's that was actually one of my like big questions, um, especially since we're doing it in collaboration with Girls of Code. Um, so another question I have is many of our our listeners are like students, whether it be high school students or like college. How would you go about like obtaining like an internship, internship or like a job? Like what are the steps um, it's in that process? Yeah, for the so the first thing I'll tell any of you that are doing that that want to intern, I'm always surprised at how early we interview and select for the summer. Uh, so we're starting, you know, next week I have um, an intern starting. Uh, we have three interns this summer in my department, um, so they start, you know, in June. We actually posted and did the selection last September. We did the job postings. Like we got the job postings together. November is when we were interviewing candidates and selecting. So it's a lot sooner than you think. Mm -hmm. uh, so always plan ahead, at least for some of the more structured internships at larger companies. Um, and I'm assuming a lot, you know, on the call now, there's people in the Bay Area. You have no shortage of big companies that uh, t have intern programs. Uh, so don't don't wait to the last minute. My uh, my son's girlfriend is looking for an internship now, and part of me is like TikTok. You should have done that six months ago. But, <laughs> um, uh, so that's one thing. And and again, I think part of it too is uh, 
again, you know, leverage LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great place. That's where we posted a lot of our internship opportunities. And the other thing, don't be afraid to network. Um, you know, nepotism is a thing, but at the same <laughs> time, like, why, why not, right? Why not, like, mm -hmm. reach out to either your family or friends of your family and put it out there. Um, we can't often do anything, but we can at least point you to people. I know, um, you know, some some students I know that are are freshmen and sophomore now in college. Um, like I know ones that are interested in computer science. They're going to like Oregon State University, and that's where my old company we pulled a lot of interns from. So when I the interns, you know, then the positions were open in January, I'll send them to to students, uh, and or, or they'll reach out to me. Sometimes my my son's friends will reach out and say, "Do you know if you know Autodesk is hiring?" And I'll go <laughs> and look, and then send them uh, some information. Um, but yeah, I think you know. You know, I think it's it, it's interesting because I I, the, I didn't do any internships when I was in college. The only thing I did, I worked on that one program with the Science Foundation, um, but I worked in a record store like when I was <laughs> in the high school uh, in college. But that's back when they actually had vinyl. But now I guess you guys know what vinyl is again for a while. People okay. didn't know. But uh, but yeah, I definitely encourage people to reach out there, use your connections and start early. I was definitely mm -hmm. surprised when we started doing the um, the high school one. We did a little later because that was run through first robotics. So we would go to like um, like the regional championships. And that was usually in like the March, April time frame where we would recruit for interns for the summer. But for college ones, I'm very surprised that some of the bigger companies they start the process very early. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for something this summer, if you're in college, it might be too late. Um, <laughs> maybe not. That's a small. And again, that's that's just my experience with bigger companies. But start mm -hmm. early. And um, again, I'll tell you as somebody who reviews a lot of of resumes, um, things that are that I look at are, um, you know. It's not just what experience you have, because you always have to have that first experience, but what types of, of clubs and what types of activities have you done? I think that's always important to me to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very insightful. Um, so you had mentioned Autodesk, right? So a lot of us, or at least everyone who goes to like Dublin High is very, we've been introduced to like Fusion 360 as like a product. So I was, I was kind of, I was looking through your LinkedIn profile yeah as yes i had contacted contacted you through linkedin which just to put out there linkedin is very <laughs> very relevant still so i'm glad for that um i was wondering could you like walk us through like a day in your life using like the fusion 360 software as like as an example um could you walk us through like a day in your life as um, a product manager sure so actually so for 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 autodesk i did both um, I did quite a few jobs at Autodesk. I actually started in support, um, mm -hmm. mostly because I, so my initial career was as a consultant. I, I worked and I programmed and then I, um, I got laid off and I worked for another company. I got laid off again. I'm sure being in the, <laughs> in the industry, a lot of you have heard that, um, so I stayed home with my kids when they were really little. Um, and then when I went back to work, I thought support was a good foot in the door at a company. 
Um, and I had some flexibility because um, volunteering has always been really important to me. I always love working with students and I wanted a job where I had some flexibility and support gave me that. Um, but from there I moved into, um, so I was at, I was at Autodesk when they launched Fusion 360. I remember doing some of the usability testing before it was even a product. Um, it was actually developed in the office that I worked in um, here in Portland. Um, so a day in the life. Um, so I'll kind of take it from like a, 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 do you want it from like a developer perspective or from a product management perspective? Um, I'll, I'll say either. Like, um, okay. Whichever yeah. One. So, so we'll we'll put on kind of like a, a an engineering developer type hat. Mm -hmm. um, so typically, the way. Um, so agile software um, like methodologies are, it's this concept where you do like short sprints of work. So let's say I'm a developer, I'll go and I'll, I'll take a look at what assignments I've been given um, for this next sprint. Like I have a little feature. So we're using Fusion 360. Let's say I wanna improve the extrude feature, right? There's, or we'll, we'll take it, make it super simple. There's a bug, like, mm -hmm. you know, people found that when they were trying to extrude something, you know, didn't work or whatever. So so a developers assigned this, this task to fix this. So they'll go in, they'll work on the code, they'll work on the test plan. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, typically you use some of these enterprise systems that, that, that track the task management and that's what they'll look at. So I guess a typical day would go in, be, figure out what time I play, what do I, what to do when, a lot of times you're working on multiple things. So it's figuring out, um, which ones do first and get that that done. So you don't realize it, but in high school, you're learning a lot of these skills already of yeah. figuring out, okay, you know, this class, I have a paper due in English. This is gonna take priority over finishing my chemistry homework because I have another day <laughs> before that lab report is done and works uh, fairly similar. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably not typical. Uh, there's also, I don't know. And then, uh, you know, the other thing that's really prevalent in our, our work life now are all the distractions, right? Because you're going to get, you know, Slack messages or Teams messages or some type of instant communication. You're going to get emails and then your manager is going to say, oh, I know you're working on fixing this bug, but this issue came up. Can you go and talk to this customer or respond to this forum thread where someone's screaming? And so I think a lot of, a lot of your day can't be planned because it's um, subject to change. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, do you have any like fun, well, fun experiences, fun facts of like in project management? Like what is your most interesting story that happened at work? Oh, interesting. So let's see. Well, I think something that's fun. Um, we talked before I'm, I'm introverted and hate public speaking, but I know it's a part of my job. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one of the, the, the most fun things is getting to attend conferences and present. So I was in Boston two weeks ago presenting, um, you know, at, at a conference and I did it when I was at Autodesk every year I went to their big Autodesk University. And I always think that's really exciting. So two weeks ago, we had this big conference and it was, I think, 6,000 people from PTC were all um, in Boston, mostly, you know, our customers. Um, so it's great to connect with people one-on-one -on -one and um, kind of like the big, uh, you know, big keynote speeches that are really inspiring. So you always have one from the company, they'll come in and they'll tell you what they're working on. But this last one they had, um, 
uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the movie Free Solo. You guys are in California, so you know Yosemite. There's mm -hmm. um, El Capitan. Some guy, uh, he climbed it not using any ropes or gear. He just oh, free climbed it. it. So, yeah, he was there talking to us and talking about, um, you know, living a life with purpose and taking risks and putting yourself out there and doing things that scare you. So for me, it's the, oh, I don't like public speaking, but I'll go and do it so I can have these experiences. So I think that's one of the, the fun things. And it's like an annual cycle of, you know, they're going to have these big conferences every year. And it's um, a lot of prep work goes in. When I did technical marketing, you know, we would start some of those big presentations. You've probably seen them from like Apple mm -hmm. or Google, but they do those yeah. huge presentations. The work that goes into that. They started it six months earlier, um, you know, figuring out what story are they going to tell, what kind of visuals are they going to use. So I think that's always exciting to me. It's a love-hate relationship being in, um, <laughs> you know, being around that many people because I'm introverted and I don't want 6,000 people near, near me. Uh, but the the energy and the um, kind of that that enthusiasm and excitement you get that what you're doing is cool it was really exciting mm -hmm. for for me being fairly new to arena to go and see on this big screen that they showed um like our product and the things that we were working on in front of you know thousands and thousands of people that's really nice uh, personally me too I hate public speaking but <laughs> but you're doing a podcast so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> One sec, let me just close the door because my is being a little loud. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No problem. I had to warn my son. I think I mentioned I'm in his room, <laughs> his project room. So his like computers behind me. I'm like, no, you can't come in for an hour. I have important <laughs> work to do. Yeah, I'm glad that you think our podcast is important. It <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, trying to take a look at some of my other notes. Any uh, any parting thoughts? Um, yeah, I think the other thing I'll, I'll mention um, that's important to both participate in and, and do is mentoring. Um, I think, you know, for me, anytime I join a new company, I always find a mentor. Um, and I've also been a mentor. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of satisfaction in helping others, um, you know, with their careers and with what they want to do, as well as yourself. You, you always need a mentor and you need a sponsor. And in, in my mind, they're very different. A mentor is somebody you can work with on kind of like day-to-day -day type things and how you um, should approach different opportunities, whereas a sponsor is somebody that can support you. And look for opportunities like if um, you're, you're working with somebody and they know that you want you know to grow in this area they can help sponsor you and, and put you on 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 you know special projects so that's something i encourage everyone um and you can do both at the same time you can be mentored and mentor somebody um so again all of you right now could go out and mentor you know younger students which i think it sounds like some of you are already doing with some of the um, activities <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. If anyone has Great. any final questions, we can just take it in the chat or before I send out. Um, in the meanwhile, I'll ask one of the questions that somebody already has asked. Uh, how did you uh, get like adjust from um, college into like the workforce? Like, what was your journey in that? Yeah. So, um, so when I graduated college, I actually um, I 
took the summer. I went to Japan for about six weeks to just, uh, uh, one of my best friends was Japanese and he always stayed with me when the dorms closed at my house. And I joked that when we graduated, I was going to go stay with his family. So I did. And actually right after I started um, a PhD program. And then when I felt a little burnt out, that's when I transitioned into taking, studying for the actuary exams and working. So I got a job in financial services at a life insurance company. I was out in Boston. Um, so I think for me, it was the fact that, you know, I, I had a math degree and, you know, they were insurance companies, so they needed actuaries. So they helped support people working and taking exams at the same time. And that was my first transition. And then after a little while, I went back to school. And when I graduated um, after doing my, uh, you know, the client server programming, this was the late 90s and there were jobs everywhere. So I just kind of went out there and, you know, the school, this other thing is take advantage of some of your school programs. I'll often have, um, uh, you know, people, you know, companies will come to schools and, and, and recruit and hire, take advantage of those um, options. And it was through one of those that I got um, several interviews and then ended up um, working. So that's one thing I think there's a lot of services um, at colleges that people don't necessarily take advantage of. Um, and as a parent, you know, like I can tell my son, like, hey, these things exist, go do them. They're not going to listen to me. Hopefully, as uh, he gets older, he'll take advantage of them. But I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind, you're um, and even in high school, too, you probably have some of those opportunities that you don't always take advantage of. Um, but people put a lot of time and effort in these programs. <laughs> yeah, we just got another question. Um, so what do you like? find how did you find passion and like fun in like your field like what are some things that you really like enjoyed and that drew you into engineering yeah so it's interesting because I figured when I went back to school I'd end up back in financial services because that's what I had done before and um, figured okay I was just going to transition but somebody saw that I had a physics degree and thought I could talk to engineers and so for me it was just kind of like okay this is something completely different um, and for me I think it was just that um, that opportunity because like the, the engineering software I work on is all about process it's about making um, people who make products, you know, ha having some rigor and, and a single source of truth to keep all that information. And it's like, oh, that's exactly what I like, because I'm such a process person of keeping everything together. Um, so I think that helped. And then um, I guess I have like a, a little love story. I met my now husband at work. He We met at a design review. Uh, let's see, next week, it'll be 24 years. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was very passionate about work too. Yes. So we met at a design review talking about actually work, things I still work on now, right? Is, you know, access controls to software. Um, so yeah, I think for, for me, and he actually became my mentor um, to some extent before we, like, he, I just kind of, he just knew so much and mentored me and long story short, um, that helped. And I think for me, having somebody that's, um, that knows what I do and understands my passion um, was really important. Um, and likewise, like, you know, we, we've been able to support each other's career. So I think it's important with a partner um, to make sure that, that, that they understand your passion and you understand theirs. So I think silly. it's, yeah, as I said, I still <laughs> like it because I'm still doing it 20 some years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like one more quick question. So when sure. you were changing like majors, um, as you mentioned before, what were like 
what was your thought process in changing that? Like, what, what, what do you think are the valid reasons to change majors? Is yeah. it like something like small, as in like I don't like this class, or like? Yeah, for yeah. me, it wasn't so much that I didn't like computer science. And again, it's ironic because that's what I went back to school for <laughs> working now. I think for me, I just became, I had a um, discrete math class, which was basically mm -hmm. one of the math classes you had to take for computer science. And I yeah. just, I loved the professor. I just, I loved his passion and I just really liked math. And I think for me, it was the computer science was okay, but it wasn't as, um, it just didn't light me up the way math did. Um, so for me, it was, you know, trying to follow my passion, um, even though several years later I went back to it, uh, it's for me, it was just really, really liking it. And for, for physics, it was interesting. I, I actually didn't take physics in high school. I think I mm -hmm. mentioned I was an exchange student, so I missed out on traditional physics, um, because I wasn't at the school when they taught it. And so I'd never even touched physics and it was such an intimidating class. And I think because I have a strong math background, I did well and I enjoyed it. And then for me, it was more of that, like, uh, you know, I knew, I knew I would never be a physicist, but I really enjoyed like the topics and found it interesting. And it was a good challenge because a lot of people would drop the major, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that were in engineering because it was so math intensive. And for me, it was kind of like, ha, ha, I can do this. And, let's just go and and follow that and then again I was I had a I was very fortunate I had a great advisor that helped me and she had done both math and physics and really encouraged me to um you know because I had that 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 passion for math and applied math to to follow it well that's that's really inspiring um so what was your like exchange student like process like well like describe the journey, I would say, because I, I plan on being an exchange student in college. I We don't have it here in like high school, I don't think, but yeah. that's one of the things I plan to do. Yeah, it's interesting because the company I went with, they're still doing things. It's EF tours. And I know like my kids, like middle school and high school, they use EF tours for some of their like week long programs. Um, but yeah, I just, it's something I wanted to do. So I found the, like the, the, um, the place and just looked into it and signed up. I have to say it was um, a little crazy because I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I'd never left, like I'd never really traveled much, but I really wanted to travel and was really fortunate that I was accepted in and was given the opportunity to do that. And for college, I know a lot of the programs, um, I'm like sitting here because I'm at my desk and like my son's like, you know, <laughs> Go Ducks is sitting here for me. Um, one of the things that when we did our college tours a couple of years ago, a lot of them talked about those exchange programs. And I really feel, I didn't do one in college simply because with math, I think the only thing I could have done was England. Oh, not already yeah. gone to England and that <laughs> didn't appeal to me. Um, but I know like, you know, my son's talking about going to Singapore and doing an exchange program there. Um, I know a lot of colleges support that and I would encourage it. I'd love to travel. That's one of the um, one of the, the, the things that, that we've done as a family and we're fortunate to do before the pandemic it was a lot of traveling because I think that's um, it's a great way to see the world and get a new perspective. So if you have opportunities in high school or college to travel, um, take them. <laughs> that's, well, that's one of my big plans. Actually, my goal in life is to get money to travel. <laughs> <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. That's one of the things where, yeah, tech, tech, tech kind of helps in that. We had for a while, our goal was all seven continents and we actually had, had oh. it planned. Um, but 
the pandemic happened, so we canceled our Antarctica trip and uh, oh. a Europe trip. And now it's the carbon footprint aspect of, oh, do I really want to travel there? <laughs> um, so we're, we're, we're trying to decide on that. But yeah, I definitely think that's one of the things um, that, that helps in terms of, you know, I think I was mentioning, you know, my son's trying to figure out what he wants to do with my life, his life. And what I said younger, like I love photography, but I knew I couldn't make enough money to buy mm -hmm. a house and the dog and all of that. And for now, it's a lot of it is supporting the travel um, and giving back. I think the other thing I look for when you guys look for companies, when you graduate, I love working at a place that has good um, corporate corporate ethics that gives back and does a lot of corporate matching and um, allows for opportunities. I've done a lot of pro bono consulting for startups in like the green tech space. Um, so yeah. when you get that opportunity to find the company, find one that matches your personal interests. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, I believe, I think one of my aunts goes, travels to Japan a lot for her job and she loves it. So hopefully I follow a similar path of traveling. All right, I'll come visit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I would love to meet you in the in person. I'll go over and to Oregon, maybe. Yeah. That well, I'll be down you. in your neck of the woods. I'll be down in Foster City uh this summer. So maybe we'll oh, have to drag yeah. you into the office. So Oh yes. That'll be fun. I would love that. Yeah. Um, as of now, I don't really have any more questions. Do you have any closing remarks? Oh, pieces of advice? Let's see. Closing remarks. Um not really. Again, I, I appreciate it. I'm just going to put my plug in there again. Um, put yourself out there, join, you know, some of those, those communities, those of you, you know, in high school, it, it may not seem like much, but it's really important to go when your, your schools do those club fairs, go stand at the table and talk to students because a lot of the incoming students might be nervous and shy, but if they, you can go and just say hi and um, say, hey, are you interested in coding? You might like this club. Or if you're there with like, I think some of the people are here, are, you know, with engineering, it, it really makes a difference for, um, for, for students to see other people um, doing that. Um, you know, I say that because we always have a hard time staffing some of these tables. You know, they don't mm -hmm. want to see an adult standing there. They want to see another student. Um, and even like, you know, within the community, you know, there's always going to be like a women in technology community, um, either at your high school, at your college or in the in your workplace. Um, and finding that network is helpful. And then maybe in 30 years, we won't be having these issues of being the only woman in the room. Yeah, hopefully it seems promising I would say yeah. slow but it's working the yeah. climb um so I believe that's it and I, I'll end up end off the podcast I was just had a quick question about are you okay with me sharing your like LinkedIn with everyone or oh of course I can just throw it in the chat now oh, yes. um yes, and yeah that's one thing too I guess as I go and uh find it I think for me that's one of the ways I got back in the workforce so mm -hmm. I mentioned that I um I took some time off and um didn't work oh it looks like the chat's not working but you can throw it oh there oh, yeah. it is sorry it's on the other uh <laughs> other screen I can only share it to you but you can share it out to everybody else um you know it helped me because the person I interviewed with at Autodesk he had implemented another software at a, a another company so we we I had seen that I looked on LinkedIn anytime I interview somebody I always check and see do we have any mutual connections and we did and um that's why I encourage people to you know sign up for any of these um platforms you know because sometimes it's all about who you know and networking and mm -hmm. so for me it was the fact that I had looked on LinkedIn and I was interviewing somebody that had we had mutual connections at another software company 
and it turns out he had been new to Autodesk and I just knew that he had implemented software that I knew. And so he said, well, you haven't worked in seven years, but you can still, you know, tell me all about, you know, the software and you know these people and you've done these things in your past. We believe you can do this job. So I always think it's important to um, make sure you have, um, you know, what, and again, it'll probably change in five years. Maybe it won't be LinkedIn anymore, but whatever it is, even if you're not a big social media person, it's a good way to connect and, and make connections. So. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, share, share my information. I'm happy to connect <laughs> with any of you. Um, and again, direct message if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, it's also good just, you know, to kind of build that network as well. I know I've had people who that I've, you know, met through, you know, women in technology type, um, you know, engagements and then just say, oh, hey, do you have a contact at this company? Like, what can you tell me? And I did that, you know, when I was researching, uh, switching jobs, I'll always see who I know at that company and reach out to them. And all right, you know, the recruiter told me this, is this true? So it's kind of nice to have that insider information sometimes. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to tell us about your journey. I feel like it's very insightful. Yeah, Especially. well, good luck to all of you for your finals that are coming up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so then I'll just end off the podcast here. Thanks, everyone who joined us on our Zoom call. And um, look look forward to hearing this episode soon. I will have it edited quickly. Put up right, you'll put in those mic drops, right? The big boom. When anytime I <laughs> said I something insightful. <laughs> anytime, if I figure it out, I'll, I'll send it one, to one of my editing friends. See <laughs> So yeah, um, thank you for listening to the second episode of From Scratch. And thank you for all the Girls Who Code members who have joined our call to uh, listen. I would say in person, but I guess it's like Zoom. So yeah. It's in person so. these days. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you so much and look forward to more episodes. And uh, I think that's it.